before I begin, as Harold, thank you for the conference. Lee Creek, I want to thank you for hosting us this year. Um, three years ago was my first time at the conference, and when I came that first time, is I was burning. I was tired. I was uh, hurt from what I had been through, and I will not uh, sit here and, and deny that it was some of it or not all of it was my fault from my ignorance. Um, but, guys, brother, brothers, is I want to thank you as well for coming and being here. I do not know all of you. Some of you, I have your number, and we text back and forth, and we cut up, and you're a blessing to me year-round. Others that are sitting in here, I do not know you as well as I know the others. I do not have your number, do not talk to you, but I want you to know by you taking time away from your ministry and your life and coming here through this weekend is it does me great good. It benefits me. And so, brothers, thank you for being here this weekend. Now, I'll let you know if you are here this weekend, and Harold sends his email out next year for you to come, as I will call Harold, and I will say who has signed up. Harold will go through a list, and if I do not hear your name, I will cold call you. If you don't believe me, ask Eddie Ragsdale. <laughs> but, brothers, I know you're coming this week. And I'm thankful for the conference because it has brought me to be amongst men such as yourself. Men such that I can look and I can watch you on social media and I can see that I personally know authors of books. I know men who will stand on the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention and who will challenge the leadership of them. Everybody may, that may think highly of knowing Vody Bauckham is I know the pastor at the Baptist Church in Bowlegs. Who else does that? Nobody, but I do. You do. But brothers, this morning, I want us to go to the book of Ephesians. And I know that we are sovereign grace, and you're expecting me to go to chapter 1 or chapter 2, but I want to go to chapter 5 this morning. And as we go over there, I do ask that you would pray with me, that the Lord would show me grace and also show you grace. But brothers, I know that you come here this morning in many different situations. Some of you come, you have had a year of discouragement and disappointment as you have fought battles, whether that is towards abortion or towards the, convent, the Southern Baptist Convention or whatever. I know some of you, you are struggling, you are tired because you come and you are burdened with bivocational ministry and you are having a hard time, such as I do, balancing the ministry of the church and the work and the support of your family. And brothers, when I look at you, even though I may not know you as well as others, as I promise you, I have a desire for you, and that is to see the Lord to use you to the fullest extent that He desires to use you. I desire not to ever open up Facebook or Twitter or text messages and see that you have been disqualified for ministry or that you have hung up the, the hat, so to speak, going to do something else. And so this morning, brethren, as we look at these scriptures this morning, I'm going to take us to Ephesians chapter 5. I will let you know right now, I know the passage that we look at will run from verse 25 through 32, but I want us to look at one verse this morning. I begin in 25 this morning, and I'm reading, reading scripture, reading by the hand, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. By the hand of Paul, we read this. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself forth, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men 
to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Father, I come to you this morning, and Lord, I thank you for the men who have come before me to preach. I thank you for the sermons that we have heard, the encouragement and truth that has been found within them. Dear Lord, as you have seen fit now for me to stand behind this pulpit, is Father, I ask that you would show us grace once again. Lord, I ask that your hearers, that you would edify us by the preaching of your word, that you would have your will this morning. Father, I ask that you would show me grace and use me, Lord, as your preacher. Father, to use me as nothing, let me to be nothing other than your mouthpiece. Lord, we thank you so much for the glorious salvation which you have bestowed upon us through your son Christ. And we ask all of these things in his name. Amen. Now, brothers, I read the text in its entirety, what I believe to be the block of text, so to speak. But this morning, I want us to look at one verse, and I want us to ponder and think upon one verse that I have read. And that verse I want us to take take ourselves to is verse 25. You say, well, Michael, this has nothing to do with pastoral ministry. It is not Paul writing to Timothy telling him how to lead a church. Oh, but brothers, I beg to differ. This has everything to do with pastoral ministry. You see, when we look at this in light of the crowd that I am preaching to, is I am preaching to to converted men, to men who the majority of us are husbands and beloved before we were pastors is we were husbands. I know some of you men in here may be called to preach. You have not been yet blessed by the Lord with a husband, but I do believe that time will come unless you are gifted such as Paul. But I do not know very men who are gifted such as Paul, for I love being married to my wife. But in verse 25, we begin by looking at verse 25. And the first word we see within this verse is husbands. And now, beloved, let us ponder upon this term for a second. Because I do not believe we need to ponder long because we are not the Southern Baptist Convention. We do not need a committee to know what a husband is. When we ponder upon the husband is when we look at this verse is we see something. We see a doubly blessed man. He is twice blessed here in verse 25. You say, well, what do you mean he is twice blessed? Well, let's ponder upon the book of Ephesians. We can go back to our first chapter of the book. And in verse 1, Paul, he identifies his audience. In verse 1, it is to the saints which are our Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Beloved, in verse 25 of 5, these men are first blessed as they have been bestowed salvation by the Father through the Son, reconciled to Him by the work of Christ alone. And beloved, there is no other greater blessing than to know that we are reconciled to the Father, our Creator, the Sovereign of all the world. But yet, there is also a second blessing upon these men. And we find it within their title of husbands. We see that these men being converted is that they were yet again blessed by the Lord in the bestowing of a wife. We can look at scriptures. We can go to the book of Proverbs and we can look through there and we can see that scripture tells us that a prudent wife is from the Lord. 
We can look in the, about the 18th or the 19th chapter of Proverbs, and we can see also that the one who finds a wife, he obtaineth favor from the Lord. Now, beloved, let us ponder upon this. You see, preacher, is it is so easy as we are in ministry to find these battles, to find these causes that we're going after, whether it is fighting for taxes or abortion or sound doctrine, whether it is fighting for, for whatever it may be. And it's so easy for us to take these things within our ministry and add them alongside of our ministry. And before we know it is we are consumed with what? All of these different pets that we find. But beloved, let us remember Paul's instruction by the way of the Holy Spirit. Husbands, love your wives. Now as I pondered upon this, love my wife. As the world would tell me that I am to love my wife by giving her everything that she wants. That this love is a pitter-pattering of my heart when I am to see her and I should be sure it is to stay alive throughout my marriage. I was reading, I do not remember who it was. He said, but the first love of marriage is a drunken love. He said, it's not two years later that true love comes about. But pondering upon Paul's use of the word love, is we know in Scripture that love is not a pitter-pattering of the heart, but it is a love of action. A love of action that continues, that effort is put forth into, and here Paul is telling us, husbands, us brothers, to love our wives. But he also tells us a specific way on how we are to love our wives. And we begin to see the, 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 the building, the picture of the first duty of the doubly blessed man. Not just to love your wife, pastor, but to love her in a specific way. To love her, Paul says, as what? As Christ loved the church. As Christ loved the church. Brothers, when Harold called me and said, would you preach? And at this moment, as he said it, I'm like, Michael, I am not qualified to stand behind the pulpit. I thought that would be false. That would not be, that would be true, but it would be wrong for me to tell Harold that. And I said, Harold, I said, I would love to. And at the moment, I knew what I wanted to preach. I said, I want to preach on the love of the pastor for his wife. Now, brothers, when we think about this, what Paul is saying of how we husbands are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, I started studying upon this, and after Harold had asked me, looking upon it, and to be honest with you, I feel just as Charles Spurgeon when he preached upon this text. He said, when I came to think and to ponder upon the love of Christ, I was, I, I was, I was incompetent to preach upon the love of Christ. When pondering upon the love of Christ, I wanted to do nothing other than to go back into my office into prayer because it seemed as though I knew so little of the love of Christ. Now let's ponder for a second upon this love of Christ. We know that we are now called to love our wives with the love of action or an action, that our love will be an action. But speaking of the love of Christ, as I pondered upon it, how does Christ love the church? It's a specific love. He specifically loves his church. 
His church of whom he was given as a love gift by the Father is the Christ. Our Lord is he loves his church, his bride specifically. A greater love than he has for anything else is it is Christ. It is his church which is the apple of his eye. And beloved, we are called to love our husbands as Christ loved the church. Guess what? We sh- our love should be specifically focused to her. She should not, we should not be able to look at ourselves and go, I love my wife and I love her just as much as I love my ministry. I love my wife, and I love her just as much as I love this or I love that. No, it is I love my wife, and besides my Lord Jesus Christ, she is the greatest place for me to place my love and affection. For she is the apple of my eye. We know that Christ, it's a specific love that he shows. We see this in the beloved doctrine that we share in the doctrine of election and of predestination. But also, not only is it a specific love, but it's an eternal love. An eternal love. You see, when I pondered upon the eternal love of Christ, is it blew my mind. How could... The Holy Son of God loved me eternally. How could he do this? A former whoremonger amongst other things. But yet, he loves me. It breaks me when I come and I ponder upon these things. But it even makes it tougher when I realize that is the love I am to show my wife is that Christ amongst all of my imperfections is He loves me and this love is eternal. It is never ending. Brothers, it is wonderful. I cannot fathom that Christ loves me. But yet I have a tall order. That is to love my wife as Christ loved His church. You see, brethren, the one thing that our country, that our churches need to see is that divorce is not an option. I am brokenhearted to hear of pastors whose marriages end in this. Because as Paul lays out in this fifth chapter in verse 32, is this marriage, this covenant between the husband and a wife is a picture of Christ and his bride. Will I fulfill it perfectly? Will you, brethren, know? But yet, the churches that we pastor need to be able to look at it. Just as Brother Wade preached last night, we're an example. Our churches need to look at us, brethren, in our marriages and see how we love our wives and see a visible picture of how Christ loves His church. And that we, just as Christ shows us, we are giving our wives an eternal love. As I pondered upon this eternal love, I thought, Michael, you have failed. For I did not know my wife, and my love is not eternal. But you see, brethren, I am not the Lord. 
that I can ponder back and I can think about, even though I did not know her or who she was, is I had a love for her. Christ's love is that he loved us in eternity past, he loved us in eternity present, and his love will continue until eternity comes. So we find that we can ponder that Christ's love is a specific love, and it is eternal love. Now this next one, brethren, digest it with me. His love is also a submissive love. You see, that one was hard for me personally. Thinking about that, Harold, I didn't pay attention what time, I'm sorry. Okay. A submissive love. You say, well, Michael, what do you mean Christ is a submissive love? You may be sitting there thinking, Michael, what do you mean that Christ is a submissive love, so I must submit to my life? You're wrong, Michael, for Scripture says what? Wives, be submissive to your husbands. And brethren, I love the passage. You know, I will come in late. And in one instance is where I came into the house and my family is wild. You would have to know it. But it was about 10 o'clock. And to be honest with you, I had a hankering for some cookies. And I walked in. I sat on the couch. And Cassandra was still up. I said, how about you make some cookies? Y'all imagine about how that went, right? I looked at her and I said, y'all need, you need to read that Bible, girl. It says you got to be submissive. Needless to say, I went to bed without any cookies. But brethren, not only is the wife called to submit to her husband, the husband is called to submit to the wife. Now bear with me. Christ's love is a submitting love. You say, well, how is it submitting love? Is that Christ submitted himself to the needs of his bride. He submitted himself to the needs of his bride and what her needs were. What were her needs? Her first need was a savior. Her debt needed to be paid. And thank the Lord we can go to the holy inspired and errant scriptures to John chapter 19 verse 30 and see Christ fulfill the need for his church. We can ponder upon that great passage in the 19th chapter of John, verse 30, and we can see that Christ's final cry from the cross was what? It is finished. Not that my part is done and she can do the rest. No, it is finished. It is complete. We can see that Christ's love is a submissive love as he submitted himself to the needs of his bride. And brothers, this is the same way we are to love our wives. Submitting ourselves, our love for her, to her, to meet her needs. They also created in the image of God. I am convinced they are different creatures. They have different needs. And brothers, they are given to us as a blessing, as a gift. And we should submit ourselves to their needs. First, before the ministry. But yet, we can think now and ponder upon it and thinking of the love of Christ, as I ran across a quote from Martin Luther. Whether or not, I do not know how you feel about him, but I believe the quote is wonderful. The Christian, Luther says, is supposed to love his neighbor, and since his wife is his nearest neighbor, she should be his deepest love. Great quote by Luther, no matter how you feel about him. 
But yet we see here in verse 25, husbands, we see the first command to these doubly blessed man, men, and that is love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. But Paul doesn't end there. And what? Well, we call it bloomer a box word in our inductive study on Wednesday nights. We find it there. And. And. Gave himself for it. Looking at this, we can see in this text that Paul uses Christ's love, but also Christ's sacrifice here within this text. The second command to the blessed man is to sacrifice himself for his wife. To his wife. Paul using the, 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 the picture of Christ here, or Christ as an example, is we can also see that Christ literally did this for his church. You don't know much about me. Some of you do, some of you don't, but Neil knows. I spent about 10 years with the city of North Little Rock as a full-time firefighter. I spent some of the, my 10 years there, I spent the greatest majority on the busiest pumper companies in the city. Uh, when I left there to go into full-time ministry, I was at Engine 6, and at the time, I don't know what they're making now, we made about 2,400 runs a year. But when we go back to John 19, 30, and this is what I'll tell you, I, don't, I hope you've pondered on this. If not, I hope you're edified by it, is we see Christ's final cry from the cross. It is finished. Then if we were to flip over, and I will not, I'm going to quote it, is we see something else that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that John Penn says. Upon crying, it is finished, as we read, and then he bowed his head. And then Christ upon the tree, he makes his... Seventh and final cry, he bows his head, and then what does Scripture say that he does? And he gives up the ghost. And he gives up the ghost. Dear friends, as I love bringing this up to the saints at Bloomer, the life of Christ was not stolen by the hands of the Jews or the Roman guards. The life of Christ was given by himself. When we look at that, and we see that Christ is given the ghost, as we see Christ dismissing his spirit from his body. That is something that you or I cannot do. That is only something that one has ever been able to do, and that is Jesus Christ because of his sinless perfection. See, I have seen people pass away before my very eyes, just as you, Pastor. None of them gave up their ghost. The ghost just leaves the body. But Christ, in his perfection, as he bows his head, and he literally gives himself for his church. Now, brothers, the second duty of the husband is to sacrifice himself for his wife. Now, ponder on this with me for a second in light of our crowd that we're with, pastors, preachers, every one of us involved in some type of ministry, involved in marriage, and that covenant that God has ordained, which is a picture of Christ in his church to the world. But where do we find ourselves so easily sacrificing ourselves to perform anything else? To the ministry. We see ourselves sacrificing our, our time and our gifts and our talents. Fighting fights within our church that we pastor. 
fighting fights amongst the conventions, fighting battles up on the streets. And I'm not saying these are bad things. These are noble things, things that should be done. That, but we find so often, or I myself do, maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, that is where I first and foremost desire or want to sacrifice myself to, and by doing that, I forsake sacrificing myself to my wife. Brothers, I'm not saying we're not to sacrifice our life for the glorious gospel of Christ. I'm not saying we are to not sacrifice ourselves for our church and the saints. But what I am saying is first and foremost, we are to sacrifice ourselves for our wives before anything else. The pastor, and I, this, is, this lays heavy upon me. You see, I'm the grandson of a pastor. I've been preaching all of my life. But I can speak to my aunt and to my mother and listen to them to talk about their time. And to be honest with you, is they have a little bit of anger towards ministry. Because they will tell you, and I will tell him this to my face, or to his face, that my grandfather took his family and laid them up on the proverbial altar of the church and sacrificed them. The pastor. Looking at this text, as we see that we are to sacrifice ourselves for our wives, not sacrifice our wife. We can think and we can ponder upon this blessed man in verse 25. There are many battles. There are many duties that are given to us. Think about it for a second. I know I am not speaking something that is weird or strange. We know the battles that each other may find themselves in. But brothers, let us not forsake the duty given to us to our wives. Let us not forsake our wives, and here is why. I'll give you some reasons. First off, she's our for sure. She's our for sure. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but so often, and I spent some time in youth ministry and also pastoring, as I would look upon somebody in, in the church or somebody who was teaching, I'd go, that person's going to be a for sure. You know what I always found out, though? They disappointed me. It never worked out. And I would put all my time and effort into this person because I thought, out of ignorance, that they would be my for sure. But no, I got the student for two hours a week or the time whenever the adult will allow me. But guess what? My wife is stuck with me 24-7. If there is any person I come in contact with who will be a for sure, it is my wife. And brothers, it is the same with you. If you have the, a, a fruit from your ministry that will surely be produced, you will see it in your wife. She's our for sure. But also, beloved, has led us to love our wives here as we see in verse 25. For the sake of our churches. For the sake of our churches. We can look around. I do not care if you're independent Baptist, missionary Baptist, BMA, ABA, which would be missionary Baptist. They kind of rhyme. SBC, whatever. 
Reformed Baptist. Is I can tell you one thing all of these have in common in the local church. It seems as that those who attend her or these is they have a misunderstanding or what they need to see is what biblical marriage looks like. And brothers, that is the greatest need for, I believe, saints today that sit within our churches is to see what biblical marriage looks like. And if there's any place they should see that is they should be able to look to us, their pastors, their shepherds, and see that is how it is supposed to be. That is what I am striving for. I am to love her as Christ loved the church. That's what they need. And to be honest with you, brothers, I will make this statement, and you can question it. But if I am to stand before my people and preach upon the love of Christ, yet they can look at me and look at my wife and see that I do not love her as Christ loved the church, or they can look and see that I am not sacrificing myself for her, is my preaching is in vain. I may speak about the love of Christ, I may speak about the sacrifice of Christ, but if it does not manifest itself into visible fruits that can be seen in what I do towards my wife, my preaching is in vain. Brothers, let us, if we find ourselves in error of loving our wives, is let us to learn to love our wives. Now why? I believe I could sit around the table with any of you. I could say, what is your greatest desire for your church? And you would tell me to see them grow. But one thing I have learned in pastoring is that for my people to grow is I must love them. You know that, Harold? That's for my people at Blenmore to grow is I must love them. They're not going to listen to me until they know that I love them, that I care for them. But brothers, if we cannot love our wives, as Scripture is laid out, we cannot love the church. If we cannot love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, we cannot love the church. You say, well, how can that be? Well, wives, I don't mean to put you on a pedestal this morning. I'm fixing to bring you down if you're on a pedestal. I don't care who you're married to. They were at once an unconverted, depraved sinner who by, only by the grace of God came to Christ. If we can't love one converted sinner, how are we going to love more than one? We won't. We won't, brothers. So let us love our wives and learn to love our wives so that we may love the church that Christ has set us up to lead as a shepherd. But brothers, also let us love our wives so that we may remain faithful in ministry. You see, our wife, my wife, is a qualification for me in ministry. If something goes astray or, or array, I am disqualified from ministry. And I will make this statement, and I will take this dig right now. 
If many well-known pastors who have been on the forefront or in the, the feeds of social media or on the news, if many of these well-known pastors had done and had followed exactly as Paul lays out here to love your wives, guess what? There would be no sexual scandal to be revealed. Husbands, love your wives for the sake of your ministry. You say, well, Michael, I am called to preach. Yes, you are. Yes, pastor, preacher, our duty is to preach the gospel. But before that, we must love our wives. Father, I come to you this morning. And Lord, I thank you so much for all of the blessings that you have given us. I thank you for these brothers who are here this morning. Lord, I ask that every person here will be edified by the preaching of your word. We thank you again for the grace that you have shown us in our salvation. We thank you for all of these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.